Warning, the following podcast is conducted by trained professionals. Any attempts to replicate opinions given in this production may result in serious physical and or mental disfigurement. Viewer discretion is advised. Greetings, Earthlings. This is the mothership speaking. Back with Matthew. Back with more cult movies. This week, you know, we teased it last week. You know, gave you a little spoiler what's to come. Well, as I say, I'm coming. Or it's coming. <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, it's The Royal Tenenbaums. Tenenbaums. Directed by Wes Anderson. Written by Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson. What did Owen Wilson really provide? I don't know. And stars a whole list of people that I'm sure we'll talk about at some point in this episode. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good today, Lucas. Uh, tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free. I'll say that, and that's the last time we'll say this on the show. Okay. Uh, it, it, yep. You know what? If it's, if it's a gift, we don't have to say it all the time. You know, we can just admire it, appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's about it for me. You share it all the time. It's no longer really a gift. It's kind of like, a, all right. It's still. You know? I don't know what it means. Still, I don't know what it means. Well, don't worry about it. It's done. It's gone. Forget about it. <laughs> what are we talking about today, Lucas? Rural Tenenbaums. bombs. Wes Anderson movie. Wasn't excited for this. I don't know why. Just because memes. I see memes. People clowning on Wes Anderson all the time. I, I saw Fantastic Mr. Fox uh, sometime in the summer, and that was, I think, my first Wes Anderson movie, and I really liked that one. Um, I liked, you know, the voice acting, I liked the animation, like the story, like pretty much almost everything about the movie, the soundtrack, too. Um, but I was like, okay, this is a live-action movie, might be a bit different, I won't have high hopes, but uh, I like the movie, what about you? I enjoyed the movie as well. This is my first Wes Anderson live-action feature film as well that I'm enjoying. And I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's a delightful film. It, well, it's pretty good. <laughs> That's all I'll say about it. You want to get right into it? Yeah, why don't you, uh, what is it about? So the movie, it's a family drama at its core. And there's a big cast of characters here, but... What we're centering on is the Tenenbaum family, uh, the patriarch of this being Royal Tenenbaum, who was divorced from his wife about 22 years before the movie takes place. Um, and him and his wife, Ethelene, uh, parented three children, one of which is adopted, Margot, uh, and all of which are child prodigies. Mm -hmm. Richie is a great tennis player, Chaz is a financial wizard, and Margot is a playwright. What we find 22 years later is that um, their sort of genius has fizzled out, and all of them are in a sort of bad spot. Uh, basically, all of them are depressed. And we have a scheme by Mr. Royal Tenenbaum um, to get back into the family, to reconnect with his children, because his relationship is strained with them given the limited contact he's had with them and also because he's kind of a dick 
so we get uh, that story there. And at its core, it's really just a story about, you know, family reconciliation, all that sentimental bullshit that you're used to in these kind of movies. But of course, it's a Wes Anderson picture. So it's not, you know, box standard or I wouldn't say cliche or try in any way. It's a good picture. Um, and there's a lot to like about it. Yeah. I mean, uh, one thing that they do early on in the movie that I like is that they establish these three characters and they all give them pretty, um, they all give them little flares, like visual flares that they carry on later into their adulthood. Um, like Margot has a thick black eyeliner and then when Gwyneth Paltrow comes in later to play her, play the older version of her, she still has that eyeliner. When Chaz uh, comes in, I mean, he just has that big uh, afro, not afro, but big curly head of hair. And then Chaz has this little sweatband uh, on his head that he keeps as an adult, too. And, like, the characters in this movie are not, like, they're not real. Mm -hmm. Nobody really acts like that. But it's it's kind of cool to see a movie like that where they do funny things like the like they keep their sweatbands and their thick black eyeliner and just a way that they kind of act isn't of this world they're mm -hmm. more akin to aliens than humans but um i i like most of the performances um from the adult versions of them we barely see the kids but i mean in the short time that we see them they do fine too but i will say um ben stiller i don't know what his deal is but he, he plays the older version as Chaz and he uh I don't think he's really pulling his weight all too much in the movie he's just kind of Ben Stiller to me where he's just kind of like yeah yeah okay like just kind of <laughs> uh, like he's just doing a lot of facial expressions and he's just kind of like it's a pretty good impression sarcastic like mm -hmm. He, his story is that his wife died, but any, all the characters are telling him that he's in, he's grieving or whatever. I'm not getting that from him uh, in the movie. I don't, I don't know about you. Well, uh, okay. Well, first thing I want to comment on is uh, the touch that you added, where they all are wearing like, but they're basically wearing the same stuff that they were as children, and mm -hmm. I think that. I think that the idea there is that they kind of have a case of arrested development there because they're all in like a not yeah. a great spot at that point in their life. So they're kind of, uh, that's like a very easy visual metaphor for they're kind of holding on to their past glory. If we're talking about Ben Stiller, um, you know what? That might have been, and I'm not sure if that was a really something that was decided on in terms of Ben Stiller and his performance or if that was a script thing. Because you'll notice one thing is that Richie... And Margot in comparison are like very deadpan and they're very, yeah. um, their dialogue is very terse. It's just very abrupt. They don't talk a hell of a lot and they always look sad all the time. And then Chaz in comparison is just very an animated high strung character. Now that also might be due to the fact that his character is like, he's like a businessman, right? And he's always mm -hmm. wearing these jumpsuits. So I don't know if there was a reason for the differentiation. One thing I'll say is that his character, you're right in the performance sense that he is kind of doing a Ben Stiller thing. But maybe mm -hmm. that's just Anderson like playing to the actor's strength. Um, I kind of saw it as his character being decidedly more animated than his siblings because in a sense he sort of has a mirror with Royal Tenenbaum because Margot and Richie are fine with their dad. 
he's their dad. But Chaz has a big problem with him. Um, he doesn't like him much at all. Um, and that's kind of a big portion of the movie is this subplot in which Chaz and his dad, who just kind of forces himself back into their lives, um, are at odds with each other. Um, there's a into the scene in the beginning of the film almost establishes that when the children are sitting at this large business like table and their father is explaining their divorce. And I think he's wearing like similar clothing to his dad. And it mm-hmm. kind of sets him up as like the domineering one of the three children. His I'll say this though, his performance of all the performances may be like not the best. I think there isn't a bad performance in this film. Uh, he's not a standout per se. I actually really like uh, Luke Wilson's performance in this. It's very understated and I guess Wes Anderson-y, but um, I don't know. He just pulls it off really effortlessly and it feels really natural. Yeah, he, he's... How did you feel, though, uh, about um, him and then Owen Wilson being in the, the movie? <laughs> I was talking... To, I was saying this to Lucas while we were watching the film together and I said, you know, it's so weird... And the other notable example I cited was in A Time to Kill. When you have two people that we know are, or two actors, I should say, that we know are related, and for whatever reason, they're cast in roles in which they're not related. Now, in A Time to Kill, it was Donald and Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland um, and their father and son. They look the same, so that was really stupid. In this one, like, okay, you can maybe get away with it a little because A, what they do with Richie is that he's got a great mane of hair uh he's got a big beard and he's got eyeglasses all the time so he doesn't you don't see the similarities with owen wilson that much i don't know i maybe that might have been a purposeful choice but they don't have them as siblings in this that was just a little thing for me in the movie uh, but you just know right you know in your head that they're related so it's weird it's just a small immersion breaking thing that's really a personal side uh but you know what um lucas pointed out very astutely that that might have been a sort of wink nod thing because there's this character in the film played by Owen Wilson named Eli Cash and he's just their friend that lived across the street when they were younger and he's involved in an affair with Margot um, and he says at some one point towards the end of the film that he always wished he was a Tenenbaum so that might have been a sly connection um, by having these two brothers cast together and Richie and Eli Cash are best friends so maybe that was the thing but I don't know. It was just a small thing that a little bothered me. That's not a knock on the film at all, though. There was one thing that they did in this movie that they also did in Ed Wood, and I want to just get it out of the way right now. Okay, let's talk about there, it. There's this character. He's played by the great Bill Murray, um, and he's Margot's husband. Mm-hmm. And um, he's a psychiatrist studying... Oh, what was his name? Like Heis- Heisenbergen? Or what was, what was what was the character's name? Yeah. Raleigh St. Clair. No, no, no. The the kid he was studying. Uh, Dud- Dudley? Dudley. What was his last name? Heisbergen, um, it says here. Heisbergen, yeah. So he's a psychiatrist studying Heisbergen. Mm-hmm. And um, this kid just has a whole whack of issues. Colorblind, can't recognize patterns. Um can't recognize can't remember phone numbers that bunch of bunch of issues so we have this bill murray character and this dudley character and um they really and maybe you can argue me on this but i they really don't do much in the story other than i i think to make jokes 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because be... this movie also is it's a drama, but it also is a comedy. There are jokes throughout the whole movie, mm-hmm. kind of like ironic, uh, ironic little quips and whatnot. But yeah, Bilmer's character to me, I I don't see what it served as other than maybe extra drama because she's having an affair and um affair, and then he finds out at the end. But I mean, that wasn't that emotionally deep for me. It didn't have a grand payoff i i just i really didn't care about his character all that much Mm -hmm. you know what okay uh it's probably known at this point that i'm not the biggest fan of bill murray and really it's not (laughs) it's not a personal thing um honestly he's a pretty good actor i'll note that Uh, i just don't find him that funny most of the time and another thing that you'll find is or that i've found now that we've watched this is that uh Filmmakers, I, I guess, really like Bill Murray because they'll put him in these gratuitous cameos or roles that don't really serve any purpose to the story. Um, you can take a look at Zombieland and that whole stupid scene that I hate uh, for one of those. Uh, and yes, you can also look at Ed Wood when he's not really present there. I'll say this. This is probably my favorite of those types of Bill Murray roles because I'll say this. His character in this is, you know, it's whatever. Um, doesn't add uh, um, a lot but number one <laughs> his whole thing with Dudley I'll admit it's kind of funny especially because uh, throughout the film he's he's kind of depressed after he finds out that Margo's been cheating on him with many men um, and I love I really like the scene in the hospital in which uh, he says you made a cuckold of me and then he asked for a cigarette <laughs> that's some of the best acting I've seen from Bill Murray and it was a really funny scene in a really kind of black humor sort of way. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I know that especially Wes Anderson likes Bill Murray. I think he's in like almost all of his movies, at least in a small role. So, you know, you can once again chalk that up to Anderson loving Caddyshack or uh, Ghostbusters or something when he was a kid. Yeah, I, um, I only, like I said, I only saw Fantastic Mr. Fox, but I know he's in that as a, uh... The Badger, I think he's like the banker or whatever. Yeah, it's whatever Mr. Fox's buddy it is. Yeah, the bad Or no, I think you're... Yeah, I think it's the Badger who's the banker. I could be wrong, though. But, like, I, I think his acting is good. Like, I think Bill Murray's acting is good in here. It's, like, it's very, like, it's very deadpan. But, um, I like, just story-wise, I, I, I think it kind of just takes away from the meat and potatoes which we're there for but you can uh, you can make the argument that it that he helps build this world or whatever but i don't know i wasn't uh i wasn't really vibing with it that hard yeah i'll say this though is that it's the script with here which is written by anderson and co-written by owen wilson um it definitely weaves all these storylines and handles all these characters pretty well you know, of course, there's a couple of characters here and there where they don't really have a lot of prominence. This is only like a, what is this, uh, an hour and 50 minute film. But other than that, I think it does a pretty good job. It's a pretty complex uh, script and weaving all together these different story elements. And of course, in the background, there's a lot of little gags and little callbacks and call, call forwards to the film. So I'll say that from a script perspective, this is very impressive effort. Um and there's one thing that I really like about this, uh, which is like the kind of literary sensibilities uh, that Wes Anderson adds to the film. He sets it up right away because, first of all, all the characters in the film, well, not all of them, but many of them have books or are reading books. 
Um, and then mm-hmm. right off the bat, um, the opening shot of the film is somebody checking out the Royal Tenenbaums, which is a book, I believe, written by Ethelene in the universe of the film yep. about their children. Um, it's kind of cool because it's got this every 20 to 15 minutes or so, there's a little chapter six or chapter five. There's chapters yep. in this film. Um, with a little bit of text you get that describes the scene that's about to happen, you know, in this fictional novel. Um, I thought that was all cool. And this sort of literary influence kind of lends itself once again to the sort of weird, abrupt dialogue that this has. Um, I like to think that, like, the very lush costuming and the backgrounds is sort of meant to be akin to books in which, you know, there's descriptions of, you know, backgrounds and such in, in... in the scene, in the given scene, that is. Um, but uh, that was a really cool aspect of the film. I don't know. It gave it a really unique flair. I know that Wes Anderson has developed a reputation as sort of the quirky, like, kind of indie filmmaker. But he really puts a lot of care into these elements. He's not doing it just, you know, for a little ha-ha funny or even just to differentiate it from other films in a superficial way. I think it all really lends itself well to the atmosphere that he's trying to build, or I guess you could say the mood or the vibe that he's making when he's putting these films together. Yeah, yeah. Like, all the... I, I think visually this movie is is on point. All the characters, like, their costume or their, their clothes are just so clean. Everything looks so good. The, the color palettes that he's chosen. The whole movie looks very, very yellow. Um, and very then there's warm. A few, yeah, extremely warm. Like, every shot has this nice little yellow tint to it, except for a few sad scenes where then they really darken the movie. Um, they're in these very vibrantly painted um, rooms. Um, everything looks... Like... Every, everybody just stands out in their own unique way, even in these very vibrant and colorful locales. Um, I was gonna, but you know, story-wise, again, I think it's it's good. It, it it is impressive how all these different stories intertwine. Um, but again, maybe I just really am not that fond of Ben Stiller's character, but his arc to me, not satisfying. Um, Like, again, everyone's talking about this grief that he has in his life. Uh, Him coming to terms with that at the end wasn't that, you know, fulfilling to me, especially with the whole Richie arc, because that was handled really well, albeit awkward. But still like an emotional payoff but i don't know if they just didn't build it up enough with Chaz or whatever but it uh, it was not it was not there for me well you know what there's one thing that kind of bothers me about the film this is really like my only major gripe is that wes anderson has sort of this ironic absurdist style and for the most part i like his characters and i think they're well written and they're not done in the i guess in the traditional sense where they get a lot of background and yada 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 although in this film they do get a little background but what he does differently is that there's a lot implied about characters and you know he leaves some stuff to the imagination which i guess some people could see as being underdeveloped or or something in the case of Chaz. um I, I kind of agree. I'll say that the one thing that I really liked, and this was really the only moment that was a really a kind of an emotional moment for me in the film, was 
at the end when they say that after Chaz is reconciled with his father that he was the only one in the ambulance who watches him die. I thought that was a really nice touch. And that was a nice conclusion to his to his arc, I think. In the sense of the running of the film, he doesn't really like learn that much or he doesn't grow. It's really all done at the end. Is that like kind of what you're getting at? Well, I like I was talking like specifically about the whole wife thing. Like his but, his whole grief. Yeah, yeah, his whole grief with the wife, and then also too, just like he hates his dad. He hates his dad, and then they do a thing which I kind of disliked with the Royals character. But and then yeah, just at the end, oh, everything's okay. It's like ah, I don't think he really learned all that much. Yeah, okay. So actually there's two things I'll say, I'll say about this film. The, these are the two major qualms I have with this film. Number one is that I w- I didn't even get to finish what I was saying, which is that f- because you have like this kind of funny dialogue and ironic stuff, you kind of have this sort of detached feeling with the characters. And because you mentioned that the characters don't feel that real, you have mm-hmm. a little bit of trouble getting invested in it, okay? You know, the scene in which Richie tries to kill himself, um, it, you really feel like you're just watching it happen. Like, you're really yeah. not involved in this, in, in what's going on in the film. In the way that I would think that Wes Anderson would want you to be, there's that really emotional moment for me, and this was really the big payoff was in that ambulance, uh, little ambulance scene you have to have at the end. Uh, but other than that, it's, it's a film that is not unfeeling but it's a little bit cold in that regard uh, i guess kind of ironic because we said that it had a very warm visual style mm-hmm. um but then the other thing i guess that kind of bothers me is that it is a little bit of a predictable story in that regard i expected something a little bit more for this movie in terms of its themes of family and such but it concludes in a very similar way that you would see many other kind of family style pictures like this happen where you know, there's trouble at the beginning, characters are abrasive or they're rude, and then they warm up to each other. They learn that to appreciate the better aspects of themselves, and then everyone's happy, and then the movie ends. And it was a satisfying movie overall for me, for sure. But that was just one thing that I think I wanted a little bit more of uh, in terms of the storyline. It just it, it, it just felt sort of, in I guess in that sense, very kind of cliché. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, so, all this kind of. So, Royal Tenenbaum mm-hmm. learns that Ethelene is thinking of marrying someone else. Mm-hmm. A black man. Played by uh, Danny Glover. A black man? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Freaking Coltrane. Co- Coltrane, you know what? That that's a line the, in the movie. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Is that the origin of the Coltrane? And I don't know if you're saying the same thing that I am, but I've heard that somewhere else in some other piece of media where some guy calls a black guy Coltrane. Oh no, Alec Baldwin as Trump calls black dudes Coltrane in the skits they do on SNL. That was it. It just came back to me. Oh, maybe it's from this. That's definitely from this because uh, Baldwin. Um, he does the narration for this film, which is another nice touch uh, in the realm of adding a literary touch to the film is that it's it's kind of sparse. It's only like mostly at the beginning and the end and then a little bit yeah. peppered throughout, but he gives narration. This is the second film in a row that has uh, narration, uh, but Baldwin <laughs> does well in the narration. He's good. 
Yeah. Um, so that's why he kind of tries to weasel his way back into their lives because he's like, oh, I need to get my wife back. I mean, you know, I, I, he's, as he said, like, I've had my fair share of infidelities, infidelities, but that's my wife or something like that. Uh, Obviously, he's in the wrong, but he's kind of an asshole or a son of a bitch throughout the entire movie. And then they do this thing, which isn't, I guess I can cope and say that, well, these characters aren't real people. But he just kind of flips a switch at one point in the movie and he just becomes a saint. Like, I don't know. Old people don't really change all that much. Um, As you get older, you just kind of get anchored into who you are and then all of a sudden he is just 180s it and he's just a saint and i'm like well okay yeah you know that's where kind of like the cliche aspect is where we just have to have him be sentimental at the end i almost wanted him to die a bastard and for everyone to sort of appreciate him in the sense that he was a kind of a dick he was still our dad that's what i was kind of expecting to happen yeah but you're right he becomes like goody two-shoes man towards the end he admits, of course, because what happens halfway through the film is well, at the beginning of the film, he gets he's getting kicked out of his hotel that he's been living in for 22 years because he's broke. OK, uh, you find out that Chaz, um, as a young man, had sued him twice uh, for stealing money from him and had him disbarred. So in that sense, that's where a lot of the tension, if you're wondering, uh, comes from between Chaz and Royal. But then Royal decides, I'm going to fake stomach cancer, so they'll let me into the house so I can have this relationship with my kids because I don't really have anything else. And then they find out, of course, that he was faking. Um, Coltrane figures it out, and he says, my (laughs) wife had stomach cancer. You don't eat cheeseburgers all the time, which is another little nice touch. but then, of course, after that, I guess he has this sort of born-again moment where he realized, okay, I'm not getting another chance at this. Let me be a good man. It is what it is, you know. I I, I, under, I understand your qualm with it, and I, and I agree to a certain extent, but uh, I don't know. Gene Hackman, apparently, uh, was very, very difficult to work with on the set. Uh, and in fact, that slap that happens in the beginning of the movie between him and Ethlin supposedly was real. Uh, so, so I wonder how much do you it, know why like what what was he doing he was just a dick like he just might be a dick in real life I think is the thing he was just very difficult um, he apparently was like the other actors on this movie were like really like protective of Wes Anderson because apparently he was like semi abusive to him <laughs> so I don't Shit. know. I don't know if that has any play into it. Uh, that really, by the way, reminds me of Chevy Chase, where the character kind of mirrors the old cranky actor, and then everyone hates them while they're working on the production. Uh, I'm talking about Chevy Chase on Community. That is, uh, but the it's it, it is what it is. That's like the, my only real problems with the film is that it's a little bit it's a little bit predictable, and that it's a little bit detached. But otherwise, there's a lot of a lot a lot of great stuff to like in this. Um, was there something you want to finish or um no if you had another point i mean feel free i thought this was a really funny movie as you mentioned it's a comedy drama but as we mentioned um it has this very ironic sense of humor um a big portion of the comedy of course is that uh is that that comes from the dialogue itself which is abrupt uh gene hackman has all his weird old manisms that are funny you know he'll say let's shag ass when they leave or (laughs) <laughs> in in a, in a weird thing like 
he'll comment on characters attract attractiveness he does it two times in the film when it's inappropriate yep. number one talking to his grandkids about his mother he says yeah i'm sorry for your loss your mother was a terribly attractive woman and then later on in the film he he you know consoles richie after he confides that he's in love with Margot, and he says well she's a very good looking woman and and smart as a whip which is a little <laughs> weird but it is what it is there's stuff like that that's very funny um there's great and you know what gene hackman is the source of a lot of the comedy in this the whole coal train scene that we're talking about that's a really funny scene when him and danny or is it danny sherman no no no. it is it's henry sherman sorry danny glover plays henry sherman they have a fun argument it's good um it gives kind of a light tone to the movie overall it's 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 a drama but it does have a, a a sort of whimsical um sense of drama i guess you could say there isn't really anything too too heavy except i guess the suicide scene where even then he plays elliot smith over and it's almost like a little bit too much um but it's a it's (laughs) it's a good it's a it's a good comedy i'll say that and there's a lot of laugh out loud moments and good clips that you can look up on youtube of couple months after when you remember this movie another thing i really like about this film is the soundtrack which i think is well i was just about to say that yeah which is well utilized now in the past uh very famously in my dazed and confused review i criticized that one the soundtrack in that because it felt like a classic rock radio was left on for the background of this movie now wes anderson does the same goddamn thing where you get the stones the beatles the Velvet other, uh, Underground, The Clash, Ramones. You're getting a lot of rock, 20th century rock stuff. But here's the thing, is that he uses it all well. At its worst, it's good mood setting. Okay? Nothing really felt intrusive in that regard. At its best, you get highlight scenes. Okay? One of my favorite small moments from this film is when Richie is meeting Margot after they both decide to come back to the house when they hear that their father is dying. And they play um, These Days by Nico. Uh, and it's such a great little moment to have just these two characters look at each other. You get a little slow motion action going. And then there's another great fil- uh, scene later on in the film uh, with Gene Hackman and Chad's sons um, with me and Julio down by the schoolyard. You know what? I've heard that song a million times in a million movies. Okay. And when they played the first few notes in this, oh, I almost rolled my eyes, but they did it well enough, you know? And I mean, it's pretty easy. Just have some whimsy. Um, royal takes his sons to just do criminal shit it's funny because usually when they use that song the context is they're having fun uh it's funny that royal's ideas farm is taking his uh, fun is taking his kids to see dog fights in the street uh and to do petty crime by stealing from the gas station and throwing water balloons at random cars that pass by. That was a great scene, too. So the soundtrack is all utilized very well. It has diegetic music and just music that just plays on top. And it's, a, I guess, a small theme of the film because Margot likes her records, and I think they all play instruments. But that was all done very well. It's a very well-scored film. I think there's original music done well, too, but it all blends into the background well enough that I don't have any bad things to say about it. Yeah, like the soundtrack, um, all the songs kind of just play into the vibe of the scene, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and they do this weird thing where they have, like, Christmas Time is Here. I think that's the title of the song. Or it's at least the, the, that's, that's the title, the yeah. The chorus. That's the title. Um, they play it twice in the movie, and the movie's set nowhere near Christmas. Um, but again, it's just, like, the vibe of that song is 
you know, is the same as the scene. You know, the, it's not like the lyrics have anything to do with the scene or anything like that. It's just the, the you know, the musical vibe is the same as the, the atmosphere of the movie. And there's one song, we had to pause the movie and do like a 15 minute investigation because I swore it was in Minecraft. <laughs> I still am adamant that it's in Minecraft. We, um, for those curious, we looked, we heard the song is Gymno PD by Eric Satie, mm-hmm. and we heard the notes and we thought, was that from Minecraft? We looked this up. There's nothing to connect it to Minecraft. We looked, we listened to other Minecraft tracks. From what we found in our research, I'm pretty sure it just sounds extremely similar. I think C14 must have taken influence from that, but it sounds very, very similar to the Minecraft stuff, that is. Also, I don't know if you researched it. I also had a theory that... um, So, Royal's uh, character has a sidekick, Mm -hmm. um, this old Indian man. And I, I was like, I swear this guy isn't an actor because just how he delivers his lines and just like how he looks in scenes like he just looks like he's lost all the all the time <laughs> so i'm looking this up um he yep. he was an actor he wasn't in a ton of films he was in okay before royal tenenbaums he was in wes anderson's previous movie which was rushmore and the, mm-hmm. oh, and then also the prior movie to that but then he was in one other movie he was mostly a vaudevillian um, he's most, n- most notably, he just did plate spinning for the Mickey Mouse Club show and juggling. <laughs> so he was more of a performer than an actor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, just his whole character in the movie, it just took me out all the time. Like, <laughs> like there's a scene where he stabs him and like, it's just so unconvincing. It's so funny. And he says something like... Where's my money or something? <laughs> you know what? That's the kind of thing where I, Wes Anderson, I don't think he would, like, I think he would have known that this actor isn't, you know, entirely convincing. So I think, in a sense, this was deliberate. Um, I think it was meant to be like a haha funny that they get this guy who delivers his lines so woodenly, like Wes Anderson is just saying them to him right before they roll on the th- yeah. film. Uh, but, he, you know, he added a little bit of comedy to the film. Like, uh, one of my favorite moments with Pagoda, besides that stabbing scene, which is f- funny in just its awkwardness, is when <laughs> is when Henry reveals that um, Royal's not actually sick. And <laughs> Royal says, oh, shit. And then Pagoda just repeats, oh, shit, because he knows he's going to oh, get kick- kicked up, too. Uh, yeah, it was kind of funny. He does really have that vibe, though, of the guy they picked up on the street or, like, as we've seen in other movies that we reviewed, like, just locals that they just get to be in the movie for, <laughs> quote-unquote, authenticity. Although, in this sense, I think it kind of serves the uh, counter-purpose. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm just not remembering this right, but Richie and Margot at the end, in a very weird you know, we we like talking about incest on the movie. There's kind of a, a gray area incest scene this time um, where Richie's like, I love you. She's like, I love you too. And then they kiss as brother and sister. And um, what, what's the problem? Like, well, nothing. It's fine. Um, she's adopted. Um, 
And then she says, like, we have to keep her love a secret. And then Richie goes and talks to Royal about it. And, you know, he says, my granddaughter has a hell of an ass or whatever. Um, (laughs) And says, you should you should go for it. Am I remembering this wrong or is that do, do they not talk about it at all after that? About their love? Yeah. No, they don't. Well, they don't know. Uh, so you don't see like the aftermath of everyone finding out that they are a brother and sister, but also they want to kiss each other a lot. Uh, I guess they just didn't. <laughs> I, I assume they're just going to keep it secret. He died. Royal dies at the end of the film. So I guess he'll take that to his grave. I don't know how it'll play out there. Um, but you know what? That's, I'm glad you brought that up because um, it just, and sorry to inter- interrupt you, but it just brought me to one thing is that i like that the characters in the film all have weird little quirks and i think those quirks actually add dimension and that made me think of it because uh, margo has like a secret smoking thing or a habit that she's kept since she was 12 um (laughs) so you know if she could keep the smoking habit a secret for 22 years then then this should be no problem right should be a breeze should be a breeze. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Wes Anderson, apparently, I looked this up, he was interested in the incest taboo because of some film, some foreign films he had seen. Um, there's a French film called Les Enfants Terribles, where you have a brother and sister going kiss, kiss, bang, bang. I think also that, it, oh, it says here that he revised the script to make her adopted so that it wasn't too gross for most people. <laughs> Because uh, I think people would have been a little bit less supportive of the whole idea. And I guess that would have detracted from the film if they were biological. Which, honestly, like, look. Okay, let's let's get the official cop stance on incest out there. Not Tuka- good. <laughs> That's not what I was going to say. So Luke says not good. What I'll say <laughs> is that uh, if two, two consenting adults could do whatever they want. Okay. Um, as weird and as disturbing as that may be. So that's our piece. That's your piece. Well, uh, that is not the official cop um, stance on it. That's, that's, sorry. Half, that's half of the cop stance on it. Is this a two-man show? Listen, if Gwyneth Paltrow was your sister, just be honest. Just if be she, honest. If she was your sister and she pulled down your pants, you'd do it. <laughs> So it's a yes for you, right? Well, I can't argue that. So there it is. There it is. There's nothing else to say. Um, (laughs) what again? You win again. What else? What else is there to say about this movie? Um, uh, just another small side. I think Isle of Dogs must have been his apology to dog owners because Buckley gets killed (laughs) in this movie. Just gets run over, and they just treat it as like a little joke. And also, they see dog fights. Uh, Chaz is like, where have you taken my children, Royal? And Royal says, oh, I just sat around. And he's like, is that blood on his head? And he's like, oh, oh, it's just dog's blood. Don't worry about it. So I think Wes Anderson hates dogs. He's probably, you know what? I'm thinking it. I, they probably, the Beatles probably said no to putting the song Leave a Dog in a Hot Car in this movie. Because I'm sure that would have been in this uh, otherwise. Must have been a rights issue or something. Uh, <laughs> but this uh yeah this movie hates dogs so if you don't if you're if you're one of those people that you can't stand to see a dog be treated poorly don't watch this movie and also seek psychological help so there it is. um wes anderson also must have had a a bad father growing up 
<laughs> uh, yeah, because this and fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, you know what? Um, shout out to all the deadbeat dads in the world. You know, I wouldn't want to be chained down too much either. I'm a free spirit, but yeah. I wouldn't want to be around those dumbass kids. Me neither, man. Like, oh. do people ever think about that? Maybe they have bad vibes. Imagine you have a kid and it has bad vibes. What can you do? Okay, there's only one. You can leave. That's really it. That's your only option. And people will give you flack for it, but I mean, give them a kid with bad vibes and you'll see how they, they're grooving day in and day out. They won't be, I'll tell you that. That's pretty much all I have to say about the movie. Um, you know, visually it's great. I like the ambitious storytelling, um, all the kind of ironic jokes. I think like almost every joke I laughed at, except for the Dudley stuff. I didn't think it was all that funny. Dudley, um, I, I agree, and I just want to say that Dudley as a character was was too much of a let's get a ha ha funny guy. Like it's just a weird looking guy, weird looking clothes. He's doing weird shit with Bill Murray. That one was like that was quirk overload, and that's probably. What I thought you said earlier that you liked it. Well, the thing with like I like the interplay, and I like Bill Murray and Dudley, but just Dudley himself is like a little bit too much yeah like i actually prefer bill murray in that pairing i don't even like i don't dislike bill murray in this movie to be honest which may be a shocker for some but Dudley was like a little self-indulgent indulgent especially because there's so much character to be derived from everybody else and all the other situations in this movie like you didn't need to have the Dudley is a weird guy napoleon dynamite kind of character in this so it's superfluous, but it's done okay, I guess, is the thing. Maybe my issue is that I didn't find the drama all that intriguing. Now that I think about it, like, even Owen Wilson's character, he has, like, a drug problem with mescaline and, I think, weed, too. Can you even all get that... addicted to mescaline? Mes uh... Mescaline is just, like, a psychedelic. I, I don't know. I, that's... I... That's just an oversight. They just say a general drug problem, and you see him taking a lot of mescaline. I don't know if that's how that works. I don't know if, the, if it's a mescaline's a psychedelic. It's a psychedelic. It's just like a hallucinogen, like basically just like mushrooms or or acid. Uh, uh, I'm gonna say then you probably won't get a, like you don't do LSD every goddamn day. Well, you know, you could talk to some of your favorite artists about that, and we'll have to beg to differ. But I'll say that... I'll call the... Johnny. <laughs> Johnny Lennon. J yeah, call Jay Lennon, and he'll, he'll, have, he'll tell you a different story. Um, the drug addiction angle in this... And we didn't even talk about Owen Wilson's character, I guess. I yeah, mean, yeah. He's just... Eli he's Eli Cash. His character is another kind of comedic-centric character. It's like, haha, this guy's on drugs, and let's laugh at him. It's done okay. <laughs> Uh, there's a, I like the scene when, um, Margo comes home and she says, hello, and Eli's hiding in the closet and he says, hey, beautiful, <laughs> these were just wearing tidy whities and we see his, like, his dad bod. <laughs> oh my god, that was pretty funny. Uh, and I didn't even really talk about the performance in this, in this, but the performances are all pretty good. The highlight is Gene Hackman, of course, he does a great job as, like, a sleazy businessman type um who doesn't really care for anybody about himself but of course he learns about family and blah 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 towards the end um and then who else is good in this movie i think gwyneth paltrow's like amazing she's pretty good in this too uh her and her and luke wilson are are great as as richie and and margo 
and then you get all you get a pretty good cat all around good cast gene hackman is like the standout for me though he's he in a movie that doesn't have a main character he's almost kind of the main character with richie to me him and richie are like kind of the hearts of the film in that way um because even though chaz has mirrored his story with royal as you mentioned it's not a terribly engaging arc that he has but Richie's character is very interesting, and Royal's character is is very entertaining. Yeah, I don't know. Gwyneth Paltrow just carries this look of Arrested Development throughout the whole movie, where she's kind of doing this, like, looking up at you with kid eyes, kind of like a little pout going on. Like, she, I don't know, she nails it for for me. I think she does a really great job. Like, she isn't whatever you know like i've seen her in other movies i've seen her in iron man where she's playing pepper something pepper peter pods that peter, can't be your name peter peck the pickle piper parker uh yeah something <laughs> like that what's her name pepper pots pepper pots pepper pots yeah iron man stupid name iron woman iron Miss, woman Mrs. like Tony i've seen Stuff. iron woman and she's doing it completely different performance there she's doing no performance here, in that movie well yeah and and then here she's like it, it's night and day whereas like ben stiller i've seen ben stiller and fucking wild hogs and starsky and hutch I've, I've seen him in that he's he's doing the same thing where he's just wide-eyed and he's like yeah okay uh yeah sure <laughs> like he's just like chill out be a bit more sincere like you know, he's, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know what? In in that sense, um, another character that people say is always playing themselves is Owen Wilson. He doesn't really do that. We don't even get a wow out of him. Uh, <laughs> wow. He, he, he like he plays an Owen Wilson character, which is like a very laid back kind of mellow guy, but he's doing something a little bit different for it. So, yeah, you know what? Ben Stiller. I like Ben Stiller, and. In a movie like this, he almost feels out of place, given mm-hmm. like the other kind of roles he does and his writing and directing of comedy stuff. But look, the tracksuit be dripping though. Okay, do it not. When he's at the wedding with the a, full tracksuit, that was so it's funny. It's a black tracksuit. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's good stuff. This it is a really this is the kind of movie where we. I almost feel like we're not doing it justice in its description. I feel like people will think I'm not giving it good bags. I'm going to give it high bags in a second. But it's really the type of movie where you're going to appreciate it from an aesthetic standpoint probably the most. And the other yeah. thing is that you're going to enjoy the little touches in the film that give a character more so than, I don't know, the broad thematic strokes or the, the genius of the dialogue or stuff like that. It's, it, it's lighthearted fair for sure. And it's a, and I would say it's like a probably, yeah, I'd say it's a great film. Um, it's just something that, in it's, it's it's sort of hard to capture the eccentricities in a review like this. I don't know. I know you just. I'm sure you're gonna give it a little bit less than I will. I probably liked it more than you. I I liked it. I just think the drama was was weak. Like as a comedy, it was good. As you you heard me, I was laughing throughout the movie. Yeah, because we actually did get together to watch this one. Yeah, and I will say that as a comedy drama, the comedy is the strength here. 
for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The the drama and maybe maybe that was a point. Um maybe it was supposed to be a comedy slash drama and not a drama slash comedy. Mm-hmm. Um But uh yeah, the drama was kinda weak. I, I think a lot of the arcs finished uh, kind of fizzled out for me mm-hmm. and especially because i have like this kind of like triumphant ending but the triumphant ending isn't really there for me like they close on royal's funeral where has a funny tombstone you can just read it when you when you watch the movie but um or never read it at all but it's i don't know i need something like oh richie started um a, a, a tennis thing like okay that's cool um who's uh owen wilson went to rehab yada 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 like all that stuff is great but it's like eh, i needed i need a little something more uh, i don't know like even like dudley has a finale can i see a finale for Rit- richie and margo please like what they kind of hint at it but like I, that would have been a way funnier scene. Like, oh, we're getting married, and everyone be like, "What?" Like, easy joke. E- they, easy joke. They they couldn't do it. It's probably against. Fuck Ava. Dudley. Fuck Dudley. Yeah. <laughs> and fuck Bill Murray. And fuck Mordecai. Uh, here's another. Uh, let me dump my trivia before we go to bags. Actually, uh, Mordecai. Sure. They they make a point, and this was weird in the film. They make a point later. Mordecai, Mordecai is Richie's pet falcon, and when mm-hmm. he when he comes back as an adult to the home, he decides I'm gonna set this guy free, and he gives him sardines, and he says fuck off. And then later in the film, he comes back when he's confessing his love for Margot to his father, and they note that his feathers are different. Uh, this is actually an interesting story. The falcon that they originally had playing Mordecai got captured by somebody, and he was like, he ransomed it. He was like, give me some money, and you can have it back. What? It's just some random guy, and they're like, fuck, we don't have the time for this. So they just got a different bird. <laughs> and that's why, weirdly in oh the film, God. they comment on it, and they, they do it twice, and it's like kind of out of place, but I guess it just adds quirk to the movie, I suppose. Like um, when they replaced uh, Will Smith's uh, aunt, aunt, uh, oh, fuck, what was her name? Vivian. I want to say Aunt Vivian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I, I always you got a new haircut. I like when they integrate like production problems into the story. Uh, usually, because yeah. it's just like a nice. I don't know. It's just it it just goes to show what it takes to make a film. It's not all uh, sunshine and roses and peaches and cream or whatever. But that was kind of cool. Uh, a couple other cool pieces of the trivia. You, <laughs> at the beginning of the film, you see that Chaz doesn't like his father, probably because of the whole lawsuit and stealing money thing, but also because one time, him and Royal were playing BBs with Richie <laughs> and Eli, and yep. Royal just for no reason just shoots his son, even though they're on the same team. And you see later on in the film that he still has the BB lodged in his knuckle. That's actually... Andrew Wilson, who was the brother of Owen and Luke, that's his hand, and that BB is real and stuck in his hand. Um, Owen shot oh Owen shot Andrew when he was a youngin, and the BB they just left the BB in there for whatever reason. I don't know why they do that. I know that's there's like a thing where sometimes they're like, oh, it's not worth it to keep it out. It's not, you know, hurting you. But like, I wouldn't want that in my body. You know, 
like as an adult i would make the conscious decision take this out of me like it's not gonna yeah. that's not gonna it's not gonna kill him it takes a bb out of his hand i don't know that's just a weird personal thing again i mentioned earlier that gene hackman was a dick everyone everyone was really not agreeing well with him uh even uh, apparently Bill Murray on his days off from shooting would still come on set to watch over Wes Anderson because of how much of a dick Hackman was to him. What the fuck? Which is crazy. You know what? This is what happens when you get old. You just become. You just don't give a fuck. Especially if you're Gene Hackman. You know he's like he's probably ranting about his days in the seventies making Superman and I was Lex Luthor, guys. Pay attention to me. Um, <laughs> there was one other thing. Hold on, just give me a sec. I'll give you five. Five sacks? Yeah. Um, fuck, where is it? Gosh. Time's up. No, wait, 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 wait. Okay, give your bags. You and think I'll, you can uh... just make this dead air and get away with this? You give your bags and I'll find it. I'll find it. Just give the bags. <sighs> I'm thinking a good, a good eight. Eight bags. Um, seven to eight, but I'm I'm thinking eight. You know what? It's funny because I like this review. I'm giving it four bags, which is the equivalent to an eight. And maybe a review doesn't sound like that. But once again, it's just like the stuff to appreciate is really you watch this movie. I'll say that watch this movie. You're going to enjoy it most likely. Um, and it's something to behold. It'll teach you a little something too. Uh, fuck, I still can't find it. Get on with this trivia. God. Uh... I can't find it. I'll give you a, I'll give you guys a bonus piece because I can't find the one that I wanted to find. Um, the cigarettes that Margot is smoking is discontinued French cigarettes from the seventies. Like what the fuck? Uh, I don't know how they got so them. dry. <laughs> so dry. Don't smoke ten year old <laughs> cigarettes. Cigarettes after like a month are dry. After ten years, you're gonna yeah. be that's instant lung cancer. Uh, <laughs> he did apparently Wes Anderson said in the DVD insert that the expired cigarette or like the discontinued cigarettes were intentional because of the sort of I guess the movie is kind of anachronistic because the soundtrack of course is older stuff and the characters kind of dress I guess in a retro way and there isn't any kind of um, like anything to identify it to be set in 2000 besides the fact that on like tombstones they say it's in the year 2000s but there's no cell phones uh or anything like that to really date the film in that sense so visually it's it's meant to be i guess uh anachronistic being whatever time period and the cigarettes is yeah. it's meant to support that there it is it wasn't as good as you know what i'll find whatever the trivia was for next week um what are you giving this movie? What are you feeling? Oh, wait, you already said four. Right. Four okay. bags of popcorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a little butter on there, you know, that'll make it a good time. And uh, uh, <laughs> I'll throw in a tab of mescaline, too. <laughs> um, we watch a couple trailers. Uh, we watch this one for, what was it? Day or Army of the, of the Dead. Army of the Dead. Looks good. Oh, I'm going to give that movie preemptively ten bags. I'm going to give that movie zero bags because it's a Zack Snyder well, picture, which means that it will have well, the um, intellectual depth of fucking... It's going to be an absolute brain-dead film, is what I'm trying to say. His movies uh, suck. It's going to be an Oscar pick. It's going to no. be an Oscar nom. 
Okay. It's a Netflix movie and it's a Snyder movie. This is the worst combo. Did uh, you watch a trailer? Yeah, I watched it with you. I told you. Did to it watch look it. good? Yes or no? The trailer looked cool, but let's look at his other movies, okay? Mm-hmm. Three hundred, cool trailer. Watchmen, mm-hmm. cool trailer. Good movie. Sucker Punch, cool trailer. Man mm-hmm. of Steel, cool trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman vs Superman. The first trailer mm-hmm. was okay. So how many of those movies were good? Uh, I can't. I haven't seen them. I can't say. I'll tell you which ones were good. Maybe three hundred is good. I wouldn't even call it a good movie. It's an entertaining movie. Um, the rest are not. So mm. that's it. That's mm-hmm. all I have to say. Um, fuck Zack Snyder. Fuck the Snyder cut. Um, I just don't care. And Lucas, you didn't even look at the cast for this. Dave Batista is the leading actor in this. Do you know who the rest? Funny of, guy. Do you know who the rest of the actors in this picture are? Hmm. Literally, who's? I don't know a single. Have you name seen Dawn of the list. Dead? Oh, don't even, don't do that. Have you seen Dawn of the Dead? Don't yes do, or no? Don't do that. Have you seen it? I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Name the actors in that one. <sighs> I can't. Yeah, they're nobody. Can name the direct right? name the director in that one. George Romero. Yeah, he's a really good director. And uh, Zack Snyder's not. Here's the other thing is that a year ago, or in September, they already announced a prequel movie and an anime-style television show to expand the franchise. So, obviously, the concern here is not making a good picture, but it is in making a quick new profitable franchise for Netflix to milk for a couple of bucks until nobody gives a shit, and then they throw it away. Oh, yeah? Yep. Oh. Yep. I have no reservations. I'm not going to watch this film. I'll watch it. I won't. And it's going to be funny. Did you see the Elvis zombie? That's funny. So funny. Wow. So awesome. Wow, that's so crazy. What a stylized picture it's going to be. He's got colorful... He's got colors, zombies, and it's set in Las Vegas in casinos. Wow, that's going to be so cool. It's going to be like Ocean's Eleven meets Dawn of the Dead meets Man of Steel. It's going to be so awesome, guys. I can't wait. And, you know, in the trailer, they have, like, this purple and pink text, like Dawn of the Dead's poster. Um, There's probably going to be some anti-consumerism. Which poster are you talking about? For Dawn of the Dead? Yeah, that has the same the same fucking like three dimensional graphic font of No that. no no, just the colors. It's not the same colors. Get the fuck out of here. Yes it is. Of the poster text? Yeah, that purple and pink, it's the exact same. I have them open. Don't even compare. That not not only was that not a deliberate choice, but it looks like It shit. was. It was no. a deliberate choice. No. Huh? I'm done talking about the movie. Like, it looks epic. There's going to be so cool. all practical effects. So cool. There's going to be no digital So squibs. cool. There's <laughs> going to be... You huh? Know, come on. Come now, son. It's going to be all practical. It's going to be kick-ass. <laughs> it looks like a whole lot of fun. So, so And... Huh? It's just going to be so cool, man. I just wanted to tell you how cool I think it's going to be. It's going to be so cool. Uh, look at that Elvis zombie. They have a big heist. There's money. Um, you know, there's a helicopter crashing. I know that. 
I've been in a helicopter crash. You know. Really? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's going to be cool. It's going to be good. We also watched a trailer for Bad Batch. I'm going to give that 10 bags. I mean, that one could be cool. Yeah. That one could actually be cool. Uh, looks like it's going to be like Clone Wars, but even more action-oriented from the clips yeah. they showed, which would be cool. Uh, I'll probably have to watch all of Clone Wars before I watch this, but that'll be cool. I mean, Bad Batch is only introduced in like season seven, in the last season, so. But really but there's going to be so many callbacks. You already know. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's going to be a ton of callbacks. The "You'll Be Dead" guy will be there. <laughs> Where's my "You'll Be Dead" guy movie? Please, please give me a doctor. Oh, what's his name? Doctor. Uh, Doctor Afra. Star Wars. Doctor huh? Afra. Doctor Cornelius Evazan. Yeah. <laughs> What the fuck is that? Who is that? That's the... You'll be dead. That's... He's a doctor? Yes. Damn. I mean, I guess you can't judge a book by his cover, but, he, you know, I, I don't see a lot of doctors threatening teenagers in bars. Well, like, he went mad. He That's why he had the death sentence. He started doing creative surgery on people. Is that actually the lore? Yeah. <laughs> I think he looks so fucked. He probably did that to himself. Uh, what about it? What's what's the deal with his uh, butt, ch uh, butt chin, buddy? That's just uh, his little henchman. His little henchman? His nurse? Yeah. You'll be dead! Oh. This little one's not worth the effort. Come, let me buy you a drink. Ah! No blasters! No blasters! <laughs> Um, that's that's just a little audiobook <laughs> version of Star Wars for you. Yeah, so you saw those two trailers. They were uh, what? Yeah, they were what they were. Um, well, let's get into the well, let's get into what people are really listening to this show for. Yeah, which is our yeah. Marvel review of Wandavision episode yeah. eight. Yeah, eight. Uh, Lucas, yeah. what were your thoughts? Just, just shit. Um, the whole episode was boring as hell. It was just a forty-minute exposition dump, and it was interluded with Agatha Bartholomew like saying, <laughs> just talking to the audience, summing up what we just saw. I'm like, fuck you, dude. I saw the, I saw it. I understood it. Come, like, come on. It would be like Wanda Young watching sitcoms which was so weird but like they just shoehorned in like i don't remember so in the forced. movies she she liking or her liking um sitcoms but now apparently it's big deep lore and then agatha would be like oh so you were a kid and you like sitcoms like yeah yeah disney i saw that you know Thank what you. that whole angle that was, that was like right out the gate where i was like oh, i don't think this is gonna be too good is that you know, look, the implication, which is easy to figure out, is Wanda constructs this reality off sitcoms because the sitcoms are always an idealized version of America, right? Where everyone's yep. happy, the dad falls down, drops the paint can on his head, dog gets the paper, everyone's chilling, right? Yeah. So, and, you know, okay, so she was not from America, so maybe you have to explain how she's watching. But then... Her dad is like a movie, a TV show salesman, and then there's this awkward scene where they are, like, instead of just a scene where she's watching TV and it's like, okay, there it is, 
they had this whole elaborate scene where they're like, it's TV time. Everybody get ready for TV time. Opens up the briefcase. Here's all the TV shows that inspired what you just saw on WandaVision. You're too stupid <laughs> to figure it out. All right, everybody, let's sit down and watch TV. One minute. Like, they had Malcolm in the middle, and I was like, what? that wouldn't have come out when Wanda was a kid, I don't think. One minute shot of just Wanda's face watching TV smiling. Hmm. I now know that Wanda enjoys these shows. And then they <laughs> and then they weave that scene into the, the big... Uh, well, the background for Pietro and Wanda, which is that they their parents got killed by a bomb, and then they had to wait while the defective bomb was what they thought was they thought it was going to detonate, and then that scene is okay, and then we get more flashback scenes, and then it's okay. I hate the director character in the show, and yeah. the reason I hate him is because you've seen this character a million times before, which is. Yeah, and they it disappointed me because they set him up as sympathetic as like a decent guy and then he becomes the military general obsessed with weapons yeah he's a living weapon we can't jeopardize him and what they what they do here is they make they make it seem like you know look i can't attest to this i'm not in the military they make military higher-ups seem like emotionalist morons that don't understand that you can't call people or semi-people like Vision weapons in front of people that they love. It's very <laughs> contrived, and it doesn't feel real, uh, and it's hard to watch. Um, then this episode ends after a bunch of flashbacks, and Agatha has her kids in a chokehold, and she says, this is impossible. You couldn't have made this reality by yourself. That means you're the chosen one, the Scarlet Witch. And then, and then I tu- and then I turned <laughs> and then I turned my computer off, uh, and then I had to turn it back on because I remember that we have to do the show. Uh, so that was the end of the episode. Uh, here's hoping that episode nine will really redeem a lot of the stuff that we have problems with with this show, or at least give us a little interesting conclusion or something to go by because these last few episodes, man, they've been rough. How awesome was it? That she called her the Scarlet Witch. Now that they have the legal rights to do so, holy crap! That's so. That's I inc- peed my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I pissed myself, man. I made a big pissy mess and I had to clean it up because I was just so excited. I'm in the same boat with you, brother. I was really excited for her to say the name of the character from the comics that um, we all know her by anyway. Um, and I only found out, like, maybe, like, a few days before the show came out that, did you know, in a did you know Instagram post that they haven't called her Scarlet Witch in the show? It doesn't matter to me. Um, <laughs> I'm sure at the end of the show, she'll get some costume that'll be inspired by the comics or something. That also doesn't matter that'll to me. That'll be poggers. I, look, guys, I don't, I don't mean to be down on the show. I know people like the show, okay? But I can't, I can't in good conscience say this is a good show. And that this is really worth your time unless you like the Marvel stuff a lot. Okay? Because even though I like Marvel comics, I still... I, I, I'm still a critic. And because of that, I, I don't let things slide because it has cool things I like in it. And it's certainly not this. Yep. That was a lame episode. And then... Um... Uh, did you watch the uh, post-credit scene? 
Uh, let me just give me like five seconds to remember it. Uh, they, yes, the post credit scene was they have remade Vision, but he's white, which means that he'll be. So, okay, so I know what's going to happen now. And I'm glad you mentioned that post credit scene because I just figured it out. Uh, she's going to have to fight robot weird Vision. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, this is my prediction. Okay. She's going to have to fight robot vision, like not real vision. And then somehow mm-hmm. she's going to put vision soul back in his body. Yep. And then they'll team up and they'll kill Agatha or, you know, dispatch yep. of her in a, in a morally acceptable way. And yep. then there'll be something. There'll be something else. I don't. I can't confess to having all the answers. That's my prediction right off the bat. I'm really hoping that they keep Vision dead because you know I know <laughs> <laughs> because I know it's yeah, buddy. Yeah, they're gonna do that. Well, I know it's a comic book thing to not keep people dead, which you know, I just I can't. You know, they bring back Vision. You know, like what's the point? Yeah, what's, they're gonna bring back Vision. What's it? Uh, that's exactly how it's gonna end. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. That's all I have to say. Uh, but we'll and, we'll see. And somehow, somehow through magic, um, Pietro's gonna come back to life as Chris Evans or no, what's his Evan Peters? What's who's the guy that plays him? Evan Peters is the guy. Is the guy that replaced Evan Peters? He's fake. He's uh, as uh, Agatha says. He's Pietro. Fake Pietro. Guess <laughs> <laughs> moment. Uh, he's gonna somehow be alive again. And yeah, Vision's gonna come back to life, and it was so it was so cr- cringe, for lack of a better word, when like Vision basically is alive on magic, because the Infinity Stone, whatever, gives him magic. That's fine. And then they're gonna try to like, they're just gonna try to bring him back and make him fly and do all this crazy shit with what, a gig of RAM? Like, sorry. <laughs> He, he works on goddamn magic. Going to downloadmoreram.com is not going to bring back Vision. But then it did in the end, somehow. And yeah, the, the director just being epic evil guy is so stupid. Like, we saw that in Jurassic World, where he's they're like, oh yeah, we want to take the Velociraptors and make them soldiers. Like, it's, like, just, it's just boring, what? because it's just boring is the problem. Like, that's not, like obviously they're characters like that or real life like military people are like that like there are some like that that are like i all i think about is weapons what can i do for my job like you know but the problem is that it's just boring because that's not a character then that's just a guy to say lines and to be an antagonist but he's not a character so it's just it's not entertaining to listen to him there it is Yep, uh, the show is also going to predict it's Doctor Strange is going to show up or something. Uh, one of the Avengers are going to show up at the end or in a post credit scene, and they're going to be like, whoa, how did you get here to something? And then it's going to, you know, Spider-Man's going to show up and talk about the Empire Strikes Back or Dark Side of the Moon, and then, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's... That's gonna be the show. And, oh, oh! Captain Marvel's gonna show up probably to see um the uh I don't know the character's name the the black lady who now has blue eyes. There's blue eyed lady, purple eye lady, and red eye lady. Um, blue eye lady is probably gonna do something at the end too. Shit, 
Maybe she'll team. Maybe she'll fight Wanda. I don't know. We'll, we'll have. Don't worry. We'll, don't worry, bro. We'll have a big team up scene at the end. Vision, Wanda, Monica. They'll get Billy. Monica. They'll get Billy and Dilly in there, and they're all gonna use super punches, and they're gonna punch her really hard. <laughs> it's gonna be good. Um, I can't wait. We'll yeah. see you guys next week for it. Yeah. Oh. Um. Okay. So, did you have a movie in mind for next week? I did. Um, you know what? Oh, okay. Today, oh, was that a disappointment for you? Well, you no, had no, a... no, that's fine. What do you have a movie in mind? No, I had a, I had a, an idea for picking a movie, but you, I'll do it next week. Okay, this week, um, well, you know what? Today we reviewed a Luke Wilson feature, and mm-hmm. I figured, you know what? Let's keep that train rolling. Mm-hmm. I say next week we review Idiocracy. Which is another Luke Wilson cult picture. Um, that one could be cool. I'm actually interested to hear what you say about it. Um, yeah, well, we'll get into it, of course, next week. But uh, basically, the basic premise is that a man volunteers for a military project where he gets cryogenically frozen. So it's kind of like Futurama, except he wakes up 500 years in the future and everybody is stupid. And it's basically just a Mike Judge, who we've whose movie we've reviewed before in office space i think that's the only one we've reviewed um it's just his take on you know like commercialism and intellectualism in america it's a pretty dumb movie ironically but i think it'll be interesting with you sure let's do it it's on disney plus too if uh, any viewers out there want a quick easy way to watch it, it's on disney plus actually cool. Actually, everything we've talked about today is on Disney Plus. Royal Tenenbaums is also on Disney Plus. Um, I swear to God, we're not sponsored by them, though. No, I wish. No, oh, that'll man. never happen. Could use a new Corvette <laughs> or any Corvette. Uh, that's it for today, I think. Do yeah. You, do you have it. Do you have anything else to say? No, Army of the Dead, ten bags. Um... Yeah, I'll give and, it ten bags. Uh, I'll give it ten bags too. Uh, oh wow, big jump from zero. Okay. Yeah, you know what? I changed my mind because what happens was um, I was thinking about it and I thought, you know what? If I give this thing ten bags, what's gonna change? Nothing really. So I just said, you know what? I'll throw Mr. Schneider a bone ten bags. Wow. Well, so just like it, that. You heard it here first. Two ten bags. Wow. Uh, yeah, you know what? That's actually the first two ten bagger ever because my scale is five bags, but I give it ten out of five because it's just so exceptional. Wow. Uh, okay, so that's awesome. Um, next week, Idiocracy with uh, you know Luke Wilson, and we'll see you then. Tis the gift to be simple. Tis the gift to be free. If you enjoyed anything you heard today, make sure to stay tuned for weekly episodes available for streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and umfm.com.
And don't forget to follow our Instagram page at COP Podcast.